I'm going to do this badly. Better, better, better. Swing, better. Is it great? Am I Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. Swing, better. <laughs> Why do they say Kennedy? I think it was the batter at the time. So maybe ah. I should have said thornily, 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 thornily. Swing, better. That's, you say it like it's spelt correctly. Thank you. With pleasure. Um, that's Colin Delaney and he's, he's my mate. Thanks for coming. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, he's a screenwriter. He currently writes your favourite episodes of Home and Away and he does other cool projects. But I first met him as the host of Rock Bingo at Cricketer's Arms in Sydney on Tuesday nights, which is fucking cool because instead of numbers, he just plays songs. So let me tell you a story. Not you, Colin. Sure. Everyone else, because uh, you're in the story. We were eating fried chicken and waffles one morning, one Saturday morning with friends, and Colin and his lady, Betty, were um, chatting to me, and Colin asked if I'd heard of a cult, the baseball cult, the long-haired baseball cult from America, and I hadn't, and so Colin started talking to me about it, and then Betty just said, just ask her to be on the fucking podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So I did. Yeah. And now we're talking about who? Tell me your stupid name. Tell me your stupid name. The House of David or the Israelite House of David is its full name. But generally, if you were to do a search, you'd find them as the House of David. Their merch is House of David. Oh. And they have merch. They have merch. That's the best thing oh, about this. That's how I discovered them. We're going to do what I normally do because I like losing listeners in the early part. We're going to talk about the boring stuff first and then get to the unbelievably cool stuff. And this is definitely... I mean, there's no not a lot of video footage because this is a cult from the early 1900s. Oh, 1930s, I guess. Yeah. God damn are their photos... There's amazing photos. There is some footage. Uh, It's all Great Depression era. And for good reason is it Depression era. Like that's kind of why they hit their stride, I guess. Absolutely. And in the, you know, the Gilded Age where being entertained was key. Yeah. Um, And we're very very near to a sandwich shop in Sydney called Bread and Circus. And... I've never, I've heard the term before, but I never understood what it meant. I and still I f- don't. I feel like House of David fully encapsulate Bread and Circus. What's Bread and Circus? Bread and Circus goes back to, I believe, the ancient Greeks. And it was, give them, br- give them Bread and Circus and ah. they'll be content or they'll be yours. And it's about the higher ups, the politicians. Yeah. Of fucking Aristotle or whoever it was. <laughs> Politicians or fucking Aristotle. I'm also part Canadian, so if you hear me roll my eyes, it's because I'm drinking. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I'm part Canadian too then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Bread and Circus was about give them basic food and entertain them. Right. And they will be yours. So that's kind of House of David's motto, I feel, was they did a lot of entertaining. One of the things that puts... And we'll get into this, but it puts how, separates House of David from a lot of other cults is that they wanted to attract attention and they wanted people mm. to come and gawk at them because mm. um, I think they figured they were going to do it anyway. They should make it worth their while and make them pay for the privilege. Yeah, they, like let's be clear. Yeah, there was an unknown dungeon. Look, 
I don't know about that. Well. But do you know what I did? And okay. I think this is partly because... You're right. Reportedly, there was an unknown dungeon. <laughs> I think this is partly because I was 100% swayed by the aesthetics of this cult. Like, yep. these are some... These are some good-looking roosters. These are proto-hipsters. Yes. Yeah. Partly because they all had... They were hirsute. Absolutely. They were long-haired, scruffy... Big beards. Athletic bronies, people. athletic. And looking at 1930s of these people, they stirred something in my parts. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I think because of that, there are rumours, unproven rumours of some shady stuff going on later that I have chosen to take with a grain of salt. I think because I'm thinking with my dick. <laughs> When do you, where do you draw the line? When, because of all the things, and I think we're being cagey for a reason because we're yeah. building suspense here. Mm. Successfully. <laughs> so when you have all these great circuses, for example. Yes, good example. Yeah, where do you draw the line and go, oh, he was, he was mad shady. Oh, but then he's got all this really cool stuff. I don't think you just reserve that judgment for cults, though. It's, no, well, I yeah. guess not, no. So it's up to Friends each individual. Friends of mine have great cars, but they're also wankers. And I think the doing bad stuff is less indicative that you're in a cult than the fact that you don't have any autonomy and you you believe that bad things will happen to you if you leave. Go! I was just going to jump in and yeah. say that their long brony tails and their beards... <gasps> were clearly fashionable but also because uh their leader Mm. benjamin purnell um as many cults this is also it should be clarified that this is a christian um adventist christian adventist based cult yes so So these guys are waiting for the second coming of christ yeah and he yeah sometimes it takes 15 minutes sometimes you need to give them a bit more time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, as with, I guess, white Jesus, supremacist It seems like Jesus is, was really tired <laughs> It's taking forever it's not He's just much. had a couple of red I wines know, He's not accepting few any too, of my calls. few too many waters to wine <laughs> um, As with white supremacists Who find a way to take some uh, line in the Bible About blushing and turn it into to back their racism yeah. something about like you can't if you can't blush then then you are not god's i'm saying yeah but i don't know what you mean so there are some like white supremacist christians who rather than just being your run-of-the-mill skinheads yeah who, who yeah. shave their head yeah keep it simple yeah exactly there are ones who try and bring christianity in it to back their argument right and they do it with a particular quote from the bible they cherry pick and theirs is about uh if you can't blush then you are not god's child and so they're referring to black people um it's (sighs) yeah benjamin purnell has cherry picked for a much better cause, I think you'll agree. Yes. Than the white supremacist. He has cherry picked Leviticus nineteen twenty seven. Let's the do it together. Let's do it together. Okay. You, you shall, shall not round, round off, off the, the hair, hair on your, your temples, temples or mar the edges, edges of your beard. beard. 
That was beautiful. I haven't done, I have, I have not read from the Bible together with someone of this podcast before. And that's like, stop cutting your hair and stop shaving. Yeah. And, and Benjamin Purnell himself, he was, yeah, he was a Jesus Christ looking motherfucker. He, I sent you a picture last night, didn't yes. I? And he looked like Father John Misty. Like yes. he was the best, most well-groomed country hipster. Oh, that's a guy who looks like he can make a macchiato. He could make a macchiato. He could... An immaculate macchiato. An absolutely. immaciato. But he was Father John Misty. <laughs> Father Ben Purnell uh, was married to Mary Purnell. And together, they, they cut a dash. Those bitches served a look. Um, I'd, I'd never found a photo of Mary. Just cheekbones for days. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for two celibate people. Because these guys... We'll, we'll cover their beliefs, but basically they really... This was some fundamentalist shit where uh, you don't cut your hair, you don't drink, no drugs, no meat, uh, coffee, and no sex. So the proto-hipster was really just in look. Definitely. <laughs> These guys are having the worst Coachella ever. <laughs> So they were part of these other Christian Israelites. I just love this. It sound, this guy's name, who was the leader of um, the previous church they were members of, his name sounds like someone like trying to talk while they're chewing gum. It is James Jershim Jezreel. We were going to do that together. I'm so sorry. You're, so, you're giving it a Hebrew sound, Jezreel. I read it as Jezreel. Jezreel. Which makes me think he is actually... It's not a it's a not a half bad rap name. Jezreel. Oh my god. JJ Jezreel. JJ Jezreel. Ladies love JJ Jezreel. LLJJJ. Yeah. Um to be clear, he mm. was born James White. Yeah. But made a good cho- made a good decision to change it. Puffy P Diddy Combs was also <laughs> just Sean Combs for the first part of his life. True. So. Oh, what was I hate to bring him up, but what was Vanilla Ice? Look, just remind me, zealotpodcast at gmail. But also, I'm not going to thank you because I hate I hate having to ask for advice, but just do it on the sly. Thanks. <laughs> so they were following LLJJJ. Yeah. And, um, and Jezreel had been following a dude named John, John Rowe. Rowe. He was he was the first guy, wasn't he, to do the whole we're going to take this not cutting our hair thing seriously. And he was apparently the fifth. So in Book of Revelation, ugh, cults love Book of Revelation. It's the doomy, gloomy one. Cults have a have a BRB, which is Book of Revelations Bonar. They just love it because it's so. <laughs> the great thing about Jesus should have just said that BRB. Oh, double-edged sword. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, double-edged joke sword with an acronym mixed in. It's the perfect storm. Because Book of Revelation is so broadly interpretable because it's just a cheese dream. It's amazing. Uh, but there's a bunch of messengers and John Rowe thought he was the fifth messenger. LLJJJ thought he was the sixth. Mm-hmm. And eventually Benjamin Purnell thought he was the seventh. But Benjamin and Mary... So an opportunity where they're like, oh, shit, the seventh is the big one. Yeah. And our guy's the sixth. 
Let's, let's just jump on just in there. Just get in on this. Let's slide into first, you might say. Oh! More baseball puns to come. So John Rowe, he's interesting. There's a practice practiced by some gaudy people which is called blood cleansing and this is where some people get into trouble and John Rowe did apparently he was marched out of the UK for doing this which is basically died in Melbourne yeah don't jump ahead when I'm doing the build-up please shit (sighs) so blood cleansing and it's got a couple of other names like um, child sexual assault it's where before a young lady gets married and sometimes in intensely religi- religious communities they do so quite young the leader gets to uh, have a go first Just, yes so before she gets married right so it's basically a way to have sex with virgins which is not good at all that's no. not a good thing to do and there are rumours that that was John Rose kind of thing. Right. So he traveled a lot evangelizing, <clears throat> maybe running from the law, and ended up in Australia. What? Which is amazing. So there was this, yeah, John Rowe ended up in Melbourne. And so he had quite the following there. So a Christian Israelite, Israelite Bizzo in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So when Ben and Mary Purnell decided that he was the seventh messenger and that they would... um, That Ben was. That Ben was. Mm -hmm. And they'd start up their own colony. They had a bit of a vision and decided that they would go to Ben... Is it Benton? Yep. Benton Harbour. Benton Harbour. In Michigan. But he he was a hell of a preacher. And so he got followers really quickly but also did some missionary work. And he just went over to Australia and just went, you guys are great. You already get the message. You've all got long hair already. Some of you are also great at making musical instruments. I love musical instruments. And he went yoink with 85 Australians. 85 Australians just suddenly plonk themselves in Michigan to go and live at the House of David Commune, started by Benjamin and Mary Purnell. Oh, go Aussies. And this is early. This is like 1905. Yeah. Like Virgin Australia hadn't even started up yet. It wasn't even, there wasn't even Virgin Blue, let alone Virgin Australia. Yeah, that's right. Um, It wasn't Jetstar. It might have been... Anset? Anset, yeah, (laughs) probably. got them to Benton Harbour. Side (gasps) note on John Rowe, this is two baguettes. Backwards. Right. If we're using biblical terms, it, it's too... Or bread terms. Bread terms. Baguettes. But yes, very good. <laughs> John Rowe, 130 years after his death, was so important, it would seem, that he was the subject of a BBC miniseries. Was he? Di- yes, directed by Trainspotting's own Danny Boyle. Shush! This matters a great deal. What was it called? Is that a bad question? It was called uh, Steamboat Spotting, I believe. You're full of shit. What was it called? It was called Mr. Rose Virgins. Miss... Oh. Yeah. So maybe I didn't need to say it was just a rumour that he was diddling young ladies. No. John Rowe, also a bad man. Yeah. What do you mean also? Well, along with Benjamin Purnell. I'm not convinced that Benjamin Purnell was a bad man. Okay. I... 
we'll get there. Much to discuss. So anyway, the plonk themselves in Benton Harbour. And the... Can I? Yes, can by I... all means. <laughs> I feel like we've missed a bit more about Jez Reel that I really want to cover oh, off. I also forgot to mention that um, Benjamin Purnell, he became a prophet after he was a broom maker. So you might say he made a sweeping change in his career. <laughs> I'm so sorry. The thing I loved about Jezreel, just reading up a little bit on him. He kept it Jezreel. He kept it Jezreel. His his followers were Jezreelites. So that goes back to your pronunciation. Are you being serious? Yeah. So that goes back to your pronunciation. Jezreelites, Jezreel. Um, And he published three sermons uh, or, you know, three books that were called The Extracts from the Flying Roll. And this is... He had a vision, didn't he? That yeah, he had visions. He yeah. was told he was told he was the messenger on a flying roll, but it meaning a flying piece of paper. Yeah, like probably not a cheese and bacon bun. No, not that kind of roll. Oh, that's how that's how I'll do it. <laughs> that's how I'll go out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I love I love um, extracts from the flying roll because it sounds like one of you know it sounds like an Andy Griffiths book or something it like that. Like, like yes. thirteen stories. <laughs> Sounds like the 13-story treehouse guy has got a side. And when he read from it, he had a yeast inflection. <laughs> yes! That's two good. for two. Wait a second. Why did Ben and Mary leave their original place in, in Ohio, Colin? Um, I'm so grateful that you asked. Oh, me too. So, yeah, they were in Ohio and they... Part of their religion, part of their belief yep. structure... They're very focused on the physical body. Right. They, they're down for souls as well, like any good Christian yeah. belief system. They love a good soul. But they're also very firm on the body. Right. Aren't, well, like all of us hope to be. <clears throat> exactly. Which is, which is probably why he took the Leviticus so seriously. And Pilates. Tragedy struck Ben and uh, Mary when... Their son slash daughter, depending on where you're getting your facts from. Right. Um, I'm, I've decided it was daughter. Daughter Hetty. Yeah. So their daughter Hetty, Henrietta, uh, died in a firework factory explosion incident. I know that that's tragic, but it's such a good way to go. So what, why wouldn't oh, you? Oh, my God. Imagine, why wouldn't you go that way? Imagine if she Go had... out in a bang. <laughs> or maybe in a... With a wing! <laughs> Love those ones. Yeah. Pearly Bonker. No, wait, that's a marble. <laughs> oh, my God. And also my new Tinder bio. <laughs> They've all got weird fucking names, yeah. though, don't they, fireworks? Yeah. Yeah, a royal champagne or something like that. Oh, that's... <laughs> okay, you know what? You come at me with a marble name Fire- or a firework name that's not sexually... Suggestive fireworks are like rule 34 in the sky. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so anyway, it was a tragedy. It was <laughs> Hetty was a tragedy, she died. And but what sort of I guess put Ben and Mary in bad um, favor with the town folk is that they rejected a funeral for Hetty and they refused to acknowledge her death. 
Why? Because they don't. Because they're so they're so focused on the physical body and its well being, and it being sort of they don't really believe in death. The seventh messenger takes. 144,000 people to heaven. Which is a really weird number, but that's the thing. Some of those people will be physically dead. Some of the 144,000 may have passed on in the physical sense, but you live Previously. Spiritually, I think. I think that's right. But that's the thing. You don't... If you die in this world, then you assist other the other people that are saved to make the transition and to build heaven on earth. Right. It's all... And is that strictly from Revelations? It's one of the... No, I think partly. But the Revelation is really dense, really full of imagery that is still... Some people even sort of leave it out. They don't include it in the the main bit of the Bible because it's all allegory and it's all Mm. just imagery and stuff. And there's lots of different ways to interpret it. So it gets mixed up with a lot of... People use their interpretation of Revelation. I've learned so much doing this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, their interpretation of Revelation to further interpret other bits of the Bible. So it's kind of like this. Are you suggesting that parts of the Bible is an allegory and maybe the entire Bible is an allegory for just how to live your life properly? And I would say properly is being aspirational and generous. But yeah, it's a book. Yeah, it's a self-help book. Yeah, 144,000 people isn't just Ben and Mary's number. That is a number that has been... That's somewhere in the Bible. That is somewhere in the Bible. Along with all those other facts. Why the fuck would you be a missionary and get more people on board when you are continually lessening the chance of your place in heaven? If, it, if there's a strict number on 144. Pick, yeah, why wouldn't you cherry pick one of, the peop- one of the bits that says, I don't know, three people. Mm. Great, done. <sighs> Religion's weird. So Ben and Mary, after not recognising Hetty, were run well, out you, of... she would be quite hard to recognise. <laughs> There's a bit over there. <laughs> I think those are her molars. And up the back, you'll find her nostril. Yeah. Uh, so after not recognising her death... And not acknowledging and her And not with acknowledging a her with a funeral, the townsfolk were like, you guys aren't cool. Yeah. Get out of here. You're so not, that's how they... That's not the Ohio way. Exactly. Mm. So they landed in Benton Harbor, Michigan, where they decided to start afresh. And I think the locals were a lot more welcoming. There were a couple of articles about them. They were given all this land donated by a follower, a wealthy follower. Um, and they really did nice things with it. And there was... But there was an article... Uh, in 1903 and the headline was all its members like bicycles and olives so they thought it was a bit weird that they were riding these bicycles on the footpath too too far so they were italians yeah um that's right quaint italians Uh, yeah hairy so you've got a bunch of long-haired vegetarian virgins descending on your town building absolutely stunning large mansions to live in and farming and improving the soil quality and inventing stuff and so you kind of go and visit and have a look at them through the windows Mm. and benjamin seemed like he was quite the entrepreneur and he thought look people are coming to have a look let's 
tempt them here. Let's give them a reason to come. Let's charge them money to come here. And this goddamn compound became incredible. It's like Michael Jackson's Neverland, wasn't it? But with as much kitty fiddling. <laughs> Look, that's debatable. I'm still I'm holding firm on that nothing ever proven. Michael or Ben? Oh, Ben. Okay. <laughs> not and not Ben the rat, not Ben the Michael Jackson song. <laughs> Oh, okay. Two of Can I just tell you? I don't know if I'm going to keep this in, but oh, go. <laughs> I, for a very short time, I dated a guy called Ben, and he had a job where he should have known this. We were at a pub, and one of the many songs that has the name Joe in it started playing, and I and I made a comment because I'm a narcissist. I was like, "Oh, this is one of the many songs with my name in it." And Ben said, oh, you're lucky. I don't think there's any songs with my name in it. And I just went, Michael Jackson's song. And he said, oh, look, I, I don't know that much about music. And I said, you don't have, like, that's it's Michael Jackson. It, that's the beauty of Michael Jackson. It's one of those songs that also has won both a Grammy and an Emmy. Um, has it? Yes. Because Had it win it, an Emmy? Because it was the theme to a movie called Ben. Oh, if you don't know what the film is about, then this story is going to fail. I know it's about Michael Jackson and his rat. And so the conversation went on and Ben, the person, said, oh, yeah, when I moved out and then my dad got a dog and he called the dog Ben. And your dad got a dog and also called it Ben. And he said, I know. I, when I asked him about it, he said, well, I'm like, it's a dog's name. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm so sorry, but in the movie, it's a rat's name. Anyway, yeah, I'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> the adventures generally that you want to reunite the 12 tribes of Israel there's 144,000 of them you live as purely as you can to be to be one of the 144,000 you are living you're taking the narrow path because it's like broad is the path that leads to temptation and bad stuff I'm paraphrasing and narrow is the path that leads to the other thing uh and so you have to really, really try to go to follow that narrow path. So just be really good and pure and stuff and hairy. <laughs> um, the, and the, the, the gathering of the 12 lost tri tribes of Israel, which is 144,000, is called the ingathering. Right. Because I just think they thought, oh, we have to call it a new word, but we should just mush together two existing words. As opposed to the music festival that Insane Clown Posse run, which is just called The Gathering. Really? To differentiate, yeah. That's probably why they did that, so that no one would confuse it with the reunion of Insane the Insane Clown Posse. Israel. Yeah, that's right. What a relief, really, for everybody involved. Shout out to all my Insane Clown Posse. Yeah. Wait, listeners. what are they called? Yeah, fuck, um, Juggalos. Juggalos. That's the one. That's which, the one. Which... Is it a cult? It is a gang. It is a certified oh. gang in America, according to the FBI. They have them on a gang watch list. Juggalos. They're mainly just drinking Monster Energy drink and driving around in whatever the American version of a Lolux is. Can I, can I ask a stupid question? Go on. Do they juggle at all? I don't think so. Okay. I think they're clowns, though. Okay. So. We're in the compound. 
we've got no vices we've got no sex no drugs no tobacco no meat no cutting your hair none of that no nintendo at all in, jesus yeah i know um you also give up all your worldly goods sugar what honey did they quit sh- <laughs> oh, did they quit sugar they didn't quit sugar because they made jams and jellies and ice cream all sorts of stuff for selling to people but they gave up all their worldly possessions and farmed so they had dairy cows fruit grain they invented not invented but they had one of the largest um, cold storage buildings they made lots of innovations for storing food and um, they had a farmer's market it was like the second season of the walking dead (laughs) except for the farmer's market i guess this is where benjamin's past as a broom maker came in um there's no pun coming by the way oh because i was about yeah yeah. i i was about to bristle if there was (laughs) Well, obviously, my point being, he was a craftsman. Definitely. And so they started, as you said, they started tilling the fields. Yeah. Um, they also, though, I thought what was, what was interesting is they got a lot of money from two brothers, the Boschke brothers, um, who were the second biggest stagecoach producers after the Studebakers um, in the world. And so the Boschke brothers, not to be confused with the Boschko brothers, which is some TV shit, um, contributed $400,000. Which in those days was, was at least $450,000. At least, give or take inflation of $50,000. Yeah. So, and and they also, the, the Boschke brothers also invented the first, uh, one of the first automobiles like motorized stage coaches so this is a commune slash cult with skills with mad skills this is elon musk level skills so what when people get caught in a cave they offer a coach a stage coach that can't fit through the crevices yeah (laughs) Yeah. great uh while you're living in this commune there's you're doing a lot of farm work you're having absolutely no sex so you've got all this pent-up energy and hair uh loads of bible study including like you read the bible but you also read benjamin and mary's many publications that explain parts of the bible or take take bits further and some of these the names they had were great mary's one that she wrote by herself because they wrote a lot of them together but hers Mm. was called the comforter but some okay. of the other ones were uh, just, I can't, okay. I did, that's all I read. Right. Um, the Book of Wisdom, the key of the House of David, because Benjamin decided you needed keys to open up parts of the Bible and he provided those in these books. Poetry by Benjamin, that's the actual title. And my personal favourite publication name was The Flaming Ball of Fire. Goodness gracious, Colin. <laughs> Speaking of underage sex. uh, No, speaking of curry the night before. Oh, sorry. I thought you were referring to Jerry Lee Lewis. (laughs) Potato, potato. (laughs) The cool thing, women were allowed to vote in things and held office and they they were just seen as equal. This is the the best bit of House of David. It's a big deal in 
1900 oh, whatsy. These cats were so progressive that this is another reason why they were quite hipstery. Because not only did they recognize the majority of women as humans, mm. but they also recognized black people as humans. Yes. That's the, and it was proper equality. It was no, there was no tokenism. It was just your people. Yeah. Get in on it. Until you die and Life then be in it. you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Not coming to your funeral. <laughs> exactly. But we are talking about the, you know, the progressive era and the Gilded Age where there was a real emphasis in the 20s and 30s on spectacle and, um, you know, sort of sideshow stuff mm. and entertainment and for the masses. Well, because it was also during the Great Depression. So people wanted to be, they needed that distraction from their real world yes. life bring it back absolutely okay. yeah i think we're i think we're there they did a lot of they opened up the compound the, the compound take me to your compound yeah. and they made some of it an amusement park called eden springs because they did so have all these sick. natural springs and nearly every article you read about house of david have you know, it'll have a big paragraph with lots of commas in it, listing all the things they had. And every paragraph I read had new things. Yeah, right. So I'm going to do some of them, which is, okay, this is both the compound and the amusement park, Eden Springs. So a zoo, an amusement park, a farmer's market. So they... Yeah. Before oh, before Matt Damon, they <laughs> bought a zoo. A miniature railroad. And even now, like the people that... This place is still open because railroad enthusiasts bought it mm. so that they could maintain it. Yeah, to, to rejuvenate yeah. it, right? Amazing. Um, Shout out to all our ra railroad enthusiasts. Choo-choo! Who have um, found us during with the hashtag railroad enthusiasm. Okay. They had... They were amazing at making lollies and candy and jams and jellies and ice cream. So mm. they had an ice cream parlor. Um, there should there should be more ice cream cults. Just saying. We'll find one. Yeah, great. The commune. Had this isn't own. my last yeah. podcast. I just want to be <laughs> Today, clear. Yeah, yeah. They had <laughs> I have a cannery, a carpenter shop, a coach factory. Also, they had some things not starting with C. Uh, they had a tailor shop, steam laundry. They owned and operated their own electricity plant. Um, that was my favourite one. Oh. That's when you know you're on a commune. A zoological garden, which... So, plants shaped like animals. Is that what that was? Probably. Uh, I thought it just meant peacocks were roaming around. <laughs> what? Oh, because they've got the word pea in them. Because it's a zoological garden. And that's just peacocks? Mm. That's a shit zoo. <laughs> yeah, that's great from Drake. An auto dealership, bakeries, an auto dealer. An like, auto de look, yeah, cause yeah, because the stagecoach. Yeah, yeah, that must have been Boschke's vibe. Was like, must if you're going to set up this town, the Boschke shop. You got to sell a few Boschkes on that's the side. That's right. That's right. You're not a proper a proper commercial cult until you've sold a few Boschkes. They sold elaborate works of art because they were all artisans and that sort of thing. They sold made and sold musical instruments. They would go in all these parades, so they made incredible floats to go and participate because then they could go out, spread the word, get people to come to the amusement park and evangelise a little bit. But so good. So they, smart. 
they invented some stuff as well. So the forklift attachments that lift barrels, that was them. I'm not even joking, provided that, I the, don't doubt it. provided that the article I got that from is true. Uh, they had a bowling alley and they... They invented the 710 split. No, that's... Although they did call one of their ice creams that. <laughs> um, the automatic pin center, pin setter for bowling. Are you kidding House me? Of David Dudes. Again, provided this article is correct. Yes. T- that hat, is... Massive hat tip. That's amazing. I do want to mention that we, at some point, do have to come up with a fictional T-shirt for this episode. Maybe Bowling for Benjamin could be a front runner. I like that. But this is a hella cool compound. Mm. This And opening it up, that's the thing. Compounds usually exist to keep the world outside. These guys, they had something like a quarter of a million visitors per year. What's the opposite of a compound? Because that's what this was. It was an amusement park. Yeah, and they were raking it in. Absolutely. So they're building that was these their big, gorgeous that was the thing, wasn't buildings. It? Yeah, and it's they can spread the word and they can just get loads of money while people are going around in circles on the miniature railway and bowling. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a summer you could have there. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Suggestion to the Catholic Church, build more roller coasters. Absolutely. They, what would you call a Catholic Church roller coaster? The Holy Roller. The Holy Roller, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. They also had in the in Eden Springs Amusement Park miniature racing cars, a penny arcade, pony rides, and they had dancers and shows. These guys were musical as hell. Dan- dancers or dancers? Yes. Good. They just. Just everything. They had loads of shows. And look at these. I found some posters from them. And I'm going to read some bits out. Partly they had male and female boxing matches. Okay, so as well as um, vintage baseball, I also have a thing for tent boxing. (gasps) And that's exactly what... Is that... So fisticuffs. Basic fisticuffs, yeah. yeah. Bare knuckle boxing? Yes, exactly. Not that I've ever done it. But but I love the idea of vintage tent boxing, which was a big thing in Australia. All of the imagery and stuff from it is just gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it's a barbaric, violent practice, but it looks great. (laughs) But it brought the crowds in and they were down for fighting. Well, sports. They were were really into sports. They had a lot. They had a lot of pent up energy. <laughs> they did because they're not they're not masturbating or having sex. They're not. No, I want to. We've mentioned celibacy a couple of times. Oh, no and wonder I w- they had their own steam laundry. <laughs> the Cleveland Steamers. That's was that. Did they ever play them? I don't know, but that's a whole that's a whole compound because we've got about a thousand people living here, and that's a yes. lot of morning muck. But this poster is my favorite, and it's. So they just had all sorts of shows on at the compound. And this is from Monday 17th to Sunday, August 23rd, which makes me think when they're not observing the Sabbath, I guess. Anyway, there's two main things you can see, the shows they had on in that time. The five Ariel Howards, which, which is three ladies and two gentlemen in four different and complete acts. Sorry, how many women named Howard? Maybe it was a surname. Okay. Yep, okay. Carry on. The five Ariel Howards, which is just... Actually, now that you say it, that makes more sense. <laughs> but Ariel Howards is also a t-shirt. Yeah. I love it. 
Here's a description. The most pretentious combination of high-class acts ever offered. Complete and unparalleled. Their dexterity and adeptness on the double trapeze, flying rings, flying and clown So they're ladders. unparalleled, but they're on a double trapeze. That's right. And pyramids. I don't want to watch that. That sounds messy. And I know a thing artistic. or two about aerials. Yeah, morning muck from above. <laughs> also, George Harada, the world's famous cyclist, greatest trick rider in America. Mm. In whirlwind motion, marvellous cup swinging, fancy manipulation in candle work, intricate bicycle, unicycle, breakaway and trick riding, crawls through a 25-inch diameter hoop with bicycle. The only trick rider in America able to perform these feats. Come down to Cult Town and see a guy go through a circle with a bike. Can I say that? Yes. Thank you. That sounds fucking amazing. Doesn't it? We've got to do the Lane Cove North Ride thing. Because this blew my mind. Blew my mind. In fact, in my notes, I start this paragraph with the word, whoa. I sent you a text last night as well with the link to yeah. a an article from the Sunday Times, which is a newspaper that's no longer around anymore. Um, but it a was a Sydney newspaper. A Sydney newspaper, and that's where I realised that their connection to Australia. Yeah. I'd, I'd read about John Woo's or John Rowe. John Rowe. John Woo's. John Woo. There was just a dove flying out. <laughs> um, but I hadn't realised that Benjamin and Mary had a connection to Australia, and I which you've spoken know, about. No, and a massive one. They were missionaries, uh, although pretty comfortable ones. They went to the UK, New Zealand and I mean, Australia. missionary I do find is quite comfortable. Um, reverse cowgirl is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so, as we said, they recruited from the Melbourne church, mm. but they also opened an Australian fucking branch mm. in in noted hotspot North Ride. Um, they had 20 acres. It, now, yeah. Did they have to change the name? Was Church of David already taken? House of David. Was House of David already taken? I don't know. Because when Burger King tried to come to Australia, <laughs> they had to change their name, didn't they? Didn't they, Joe? It was the they same. They had to change it to Hungry Jacks. Yeah, yeah. Because there was already a Burger King. A, a guy, opportunistic, had copyrighted Burger King because yeah, he knew the they were coming. Yeah, it was the same with McPernels. <laughs> <laughs> but they had, and I've been to this general area, they had a sawmill, market gardens, poultry farm. They also had like a little mini kind of amusement park, but mostly for picnickers and stuff. A music bowl for concerts, tennis courts, and later they added a Volkswagen car dealership. Hold on. <laughs> They're my people. What do you mean? Well, I, have, you... I own two Volkswagens. Oh, okay. I thought, oh my God, are you from... Germany. Yeah. No, or you no, no I, own, I own a Golf and a Combi. <gasps> Get out. So yeah, they... they're your people. Yeah. That means they're your people. Exactly. Mm. Uh, so you're saying that they... So did Benjamin turn his back on the Boschkis? I don't know. Please don't ask me questions that I haven't done any research about. Yeah. Thank you so much. And before we get to the cool shit, can we talk about alleged crime? <laughs> Jail time. 
You weigh so heavily on alleged, on the term alleged, by the way. Because... I'm confident that he did them because why are we here if not for a cult? Because I have faith in the US court system. I, oh, it's hard to get it out. Um, <laughs> did you vomit a little bit? It's, hard, it's really hard when you're researching any cults to wade through media sensationalism. And I know I sound a bit sort of fake newsy there, but... I mean, they were 15% hyperbolic bullshit. Mm -hmm. So I do think that that happened a bit with House of David. I'm so glad that you've mentioned this because I've mentioned the Sunday Times article a couple of times. It's <clears throat> got some fantastic it language is, in it. It's from the late 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they didn't make it past the 1930s. So reportedly, uh, Benjamin was beginning to conduct... conduct Drunken orgies and indecent revels in sumptuously furnished and incest-charged rooms in the presence of girls as young as 10 years old, in accordance with the virgin law for the spiritual and physical cleansing of young maidens. Benjamin Purnell, seventh angel of revelations, blasphemer, despoiler of young members of his flock, and fugitive from justice for 30 months taken after worldwide search. In a nutshell... He was supposed to have, and I think this goes back to John Rowe's practice of blood cleansing. Mm. He was supposed to have had a lot of sex with underage girls in tunnels underneath one of the fancy houses. So it was called the Shiloh. The Shiloh. There was the Diamond House and the Shiloh House, and they were all big mansions in the compound. What might you call a tunnel under a house called Shiloh? Well, you might call it a Shiloh pit. There it is. Um, which brings me to one of my <laughs> favourite jokes of 2006. Mm. Uh, and that is the, of course, Shiloh Pitt being one of the children of Brad and Angelina yes. Pitt. But her spoonerism is <gasps> pile of shit. <laughs> so Benjamin was supposed to have done all this stuff. And he did... They sm I saw a photo of the smashed-in door of Shiloh House when oh, yeah. the state troopers came and took him away. And there were like 300 witnesses and all these transcripts and 13 girls giving their testimony that he had had sex with them underage. And so this was a big and thorough court case. And this is where I stand on it. He was eventually convicted of religious fraud. So I'm not sure if that was to do with him claiming he was the seventh messenger or whatever, but he was not convicted, even in the morally strident 20s and 30s, uh, of anything to do with the nookie. And that's one of the reasons that I think that maybe he's innocent. Okay. Well, no, look, even the word innocent, I'm not sure about. But he was not convicted for it. There wasn't evidence of it. And it was a pretty thorough, well-covered court case. So I'm going to err on the side of, yeah, maybe it was okay. Because I wanted to talk about this, I thought, oh, he was arrested for stuff. I'm going to look at, I'm going to look it up. It's the hardest thing the hardest lot of information to find about this cult. There is not much. I couldn't find what any of the specifics of the alleged crimes were. So 
I think what also gets tricky is to to try and get a retrial uh, after the initial one was kind of useless because he then died. Two weeks after he was convicted of religious fraud. Yeah. He was mummified and enclosed in a glass coffin, ensconced in a place known only to his followers. They confidently predicted he would rise from the dead. Full stop. But he never did. Do you know what? I'd like to add yet. I read further. Okay. And there is no actual evidence that that happened. And... It would have been quite unusual. I don't want to poo-poo your source, but because you're giving me a face. And it would have been quite weird for a religion that didn't do death and funerals and corpses and stuff to have him in a glass coffin for people to see. The great thing about it is there's lots of differing stories. This is a bitchy cult. Sunday Times weren't the... Fuck, I'm really giving them a plug. You've got... It's because it seems to be your only source, can I say? This is where you're wrong. (laughs) The Detroit Free Press... No, they were... Diligent. They were reamed for their negative coverage of House of David. Yep. King Ben was brought up on moral charges in 1910, 1914 and 1922 and acquitted each time in 1923. The Detroit Free Press... Don't cherry pick like they did. And acquitted. acquitted each time. Yep. In 1923, the, I feel like you are really thinking with your dick on this one. The <laughs> Detroit Free Press read a series of articles about his sexual... Peccadillos? Do I have that word right? Peccadillos? Peccadillos? Yeah, peccadillos? Peccadillos. Peccadillos. <laughs> Is that an anteater? Yep. Sexual anteaters. Sexual anteaters with young girls, prompting the state of Michigan to file charges against him yet again. Going underground, literally, he went into hiding in into the, the secret chambers. He, yeah, he went into the secret chambers he'd built underneath the colony, but a stool pigeon ratted him out, and he was arrested while in bed with several minor females. There is. That is the only account of that happening that you will find. Really? Yeah. It's not backed up anywhere else. I There's feel no like... anteaters. There's no... What was the other thing? Stool pigeons. Stool pigeons. There's, that's the and only... And yet they had a zoo. It's I know. Which makes you think, well, then there would be more than one account. That's true. Because they would have asked the elephants, Colin. <laughs> so I just, I just need more than one source. No, sure. I've given you Sunday Times <laughs> and the Detroit Free Press. Which also, uh, the Detroit Free Press are a great 1970s proto-punk band. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, should we? I feel like we need to agree to disagree and move on to... To the good shit. I love their music. This cult was famous nationwide in America for their music. This guy's got a sousaphone. How good a sousaphone? Great. From the... There's a website. It's a really big sax. There's a... There's a few Which House of these David guys are websites into. and one says almost every Israelite was involved in some form of musical expression. Adults played in men's bands and ladies' bands. Children played in children's bands. These guys were great at naming stuff. Mm-hmm. Israelites sang in ones, twos, threes, fours and fives and in larger choral groups. They should have just said they, they sang. sang. 
They formed comedy musical acts, string bands, marching bands, jazz bands, and dance orchestras. And the combo that I enjoy, that it looks like it's got a banjo, a drum, a sousaphone, a female singer, and then just saxophones, is called the House of David Syncopep Serenaders. And I love them so much. My heart hurts. Syncopep Serenaders. So Syncopep is all one word. Oh. Five? Not C I N C O. Oh. Syncopated. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And they are just, and they've all got long hair and beards and instruments. Uh, yeah, no, I'm getting it. I really do like this because of the visuals, don't I? God, honestly, some of these guys could just be straight up at the Cricketers Arms Hotel. They are the <laughs> biggest fucking hipsters around. <laughs> but Replace Cricketers Arms with whatever the hipster pub is in your town. These musical groups were massive on the vaudeville circuit. They toured the country and they got large audiences and they also played at Eden Springs and had massive crowds. They were amazing. Colin, they played sport. Yeah, they did. Are we there? We're there. Was that the segue? We're doing it. Great. This cult, the thing... Oh, I've got a thing. I've got a song about what their special thing is. When you have a compound full of virile young men with no place to, as a parrot does, spill their seed, mm. you got a lot of energy. Yeah, pent. You're fidgety, pent Colin. Fidgety. You're pent up. And so Benjamin was a big fan of sport and in particular baseball. Yeah, which it was the, na- uh, the nation's pastime. Yeah, and it was like he, he he thought it developed both spiritual and physical discipline, and so he got a baseball team or two together, mm. or three it wound yeah. up to be. And this is a time so twenties and thirties through to the fifties they had teams, but twenties and thirties was their heyday. There were league games, so you could organise yourself into a league and play these games, or you could go barnstorming. So yeah. these were either Mostly off-season, but some went for non-major league teams. Uh, They also played during the season of exhibition games. So you could play whichever teams agreed to play. You could play in all different places. You didn't have to pay the league anything. So it was a really, really good way for baseballers to make more money than they would if they were in World Series, for example. It was, you could draw a crowd, you could leave pamphlets on every seat in the stadium about your religious beliefs it was a great thing for house of david to do so they did a play ball a play ball ball. this is far and away what they are most known for the reason i came to you the reason i found house of david as a cult yeah Oh, shit, we should put our hats on. So you are wearing the St. Louis Cardinals. That's right. And uh, I am wearing the Toledo Mud Hens, Mm. which is a minor league team um, for all you baseball nerds out there. Can I just explain my hat? Yeah. It's twofold. One, uh, Colin and I have a mutual friend called Alex who is from St. Louis. Yes, that's right. We all went to his wedding in St. Louis Mm -hmm. uh, and were forced to buy hats and become 
Cardinal supporters. Mm-hmm. Alex also, I think I was six or seven episodes into this podcast before he said, you should call it See You Last Tuesday, which is an incredible name. And I'm really, really cross that he waited so long to tell me that. House of David, it's also significant because House of David, uh, they mostly played amateur and semi-pro teams, but they did have some exhibition games against some A-league teams. Absolutely. Major league, sorry. Major league teams, yeah. And they mostly got beaten. Mm. So they played, for example, they played the New York Yankees, but quite impressively, they only lost 5-3. So nice. that's pretty that's pretty good. This is in the Babe Ruth era of New York Yankees, it needs to be said. Well, they beat the St. Louis Cardinals, yeah. <laughs> I think, eight to six. Oh, snap. And I could not wait to tell Alex. Can we just talk about House of David for yes, a second? Go, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's, so uh, can we just, should we just start again? At this time, also, baseball was segregated. It was part of the black teams don't play in the white leagues. White teams don't play in the black leagues. That's right. But for Barnstorming, House of David was like, and it was called, it was called at the time, Negro Leagues. Yes. Which Which I'd like to point out. So my fascination with baseball caps, I really like baseball hats. And so I was on a website uh, shopping for hats and I came across this team called House of David. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, what the fuck is House of David? So I looked it up and... um, Sure enough, that's how I discovered this cult, baseball cult. And I was like, I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Through hats. And so they have a pretty nice hat. They have a pretty nice hat. But there are two reasons why I did not buy that hat. The House of David hat is a white hat with black pinstripes and then the HOD kind of over top of each other. Yeah, classic. But also I have a white St. Louis Cardinals hat and it's giving me strife because it gets dirty and stuff. So that's a side note. Uh, And then it also has the... Because they were barnstorming and they kind of fell into this weird gap, um, they, for whatever reason, um, have a Negro League patch on the side of it. Now, I'm a white Australian (laughs) 30-something. Okay, I don't want no. to offend anyone. I feel like I now know House of David and could wear that hat with gusto. But I also but it would require anyone seeing you in that hat also understanding the link. Exactly. Yeah. Because Negro is not a word you can use. It's not a word you anymore. want to wear out. No, exactly. You just don't want to wear that word around. No. Be- it's not the because it's people... not the N word, but it is a N word. But also, people will misunderstand the whole context. the whole context. They'll in... think you're trying to be ironic, or yeah. you're trying to, or just offend. Probably more to the point. In the context of House of David, uh, Negro Leagues, House of David, when they were touring the same barnstorming circuits as the Negro Leagues, they insisted on staying. Yes. Like sleeping and eating in exactly the same establishments because they were on the equality tip, which at that time when there was legally sanctioned segregation yeah. was awesome. Like they, So they would play against the Kansas City Monarchs, which was one of the big Negro League teams, and they would demand to stay in the same premises. Yeah. Which, yeah, which is mind-blowing because that's, especially for Kansas, we're like... And also, can I say, especially for primarily white Christian religious organisations. Totally. Yeah, yeah. These dudes were 
forward thinkers. Hell yes. Um, But they were also, partly because of the spectacle of seeing them with their flowing hair, and this is full flow. This is waist length, wavy hair. fully. The photos, if there's a couple, I'll put some up on the Zealot Facebook page. Yeah. But there's one I love, which is one of them. Well, all the team shots are amazing because it's just this bristly sass. But there's one shot I love. Bristly sass. Bristly sass. Running between bases with the locks just streaming. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. God, I have a problem. They also did this thing called Pepper Games, which all the articles will compare to the tricks that Harlem Globetrotters do in, in basketball, which... Think of it as the spinning on the ball trick. Yep. Spinning the ball on the finger. And I've got trick. here a quote which is, uh, they juggled and tossed balls, made them vanish only to pull them out of their beards and even played innings while mounted on donkeys. That's weird. There's the donkey thing. Because, because they were horny with no outlet, they just played so many games and practiced all the time and rode in between in buses and just... Made a killing. World famous. Yeah. They would hi- they hired a couple of professionals. Yeah. But they also would have kind of guest players some games. And so some of the names, you know, that of course I'm just so familiar with. So familiar with. Grover Cleveland Alexander, mm-hmm. Satchel Page, Mordecai Brown, and... There are pictures. I'll probably put these up on the Facebook page as well. There were there are pictures of Babe Ruth wearing a fake beard. That's right. So that he could, you know, I'm sure it was done jokingly and for publicity because it was Babe Ruth and he was a whore. Yeah. But he, Babe Ruth wore a fake beard and played with goddamn House of David. Well, okay, so here comes, uh, this is a technicality thing. So Did he not actually play? So he played against House of David with um, the Yankees. Still cool. Still cool. Absolutely. Still cool. The House of David realized that this was the most lucrative part of their empire. Yeah. You know, roller coasters, uh, sweet shops, automobiles, baseball. The Cinco bar- Pep. <laughs> the Cinco Pep, sousaphone. Serenaders. It was baseball. At its peak in the 1920s and 30s, that was the most lucrative for the colony, bringing money in for both the players, but all ultimately bringing it home to Benjamin Purnell yeah. sitting on his stack of cash. And once they realised that, oh, okay, these guys are good, our, our followers, our men are good players, but bigger names would draw bigger dollars. So that's when they started bringing in um, Grover Cleveland, Alexander, and and the Mordecai Brown, was it? Sure. Sure. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Benjamin knew how to bring money in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was an entrepreneur. Weirdly for a cult leader, he wasn't necessarily hoarding cash for his own separate lifestyle. Everyone lived okay. Mm. This is still... Let's just remember, (laughs) this is still being seen through Joe's... (laughs) Genitalia. <laughs> rose-tinted glasses. She is not going to be able to sleep with all, any of them because they're all celibate. They're, and dead. And are they? <laughs> Actually, this brings me to... Oh, true! This brings me to one of my favourite quotes from one of the more recent newspapers, um, which was, why would, of course, 
this religion has died out, that's what happens when you base it around celibacy. <laughs> yes, because so they're never going to dwindle. Yeah, you you do dwindle. But after on that point, after 1927, when Benjamin died, mm. uh, Mary lasted till 1953, I think. But after Ben died, it went to two factions. So mm. Mary moved across the street. And she became the City of God. The City of David. City of David. Sorry, City and of God then, is a Brazilian film. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, there were a few ba- uh, baseball teams until the mid-50s, but it kind of dwindled out. But now because of sort of revivalists, you can go to Eden Springs. costs you $2 to ride on the miniature train now, Colin. Wood ride. <laughs> Wood ride. Uh, there's EdenSpringsPark.org, Israelite, IsraeliteHouseOfDavid.com and... The Facebook page, which is awesome. They're still going through and renovating everything. And every time they find books or photos, they post them on the Facebook page. And whoever's writing that stuff on the Facebook page, they can spin a tale and it's fascinating. Really? It's really, really good. There's still so much goodwill towards them. Yes. And people love them. And I guess it's primarily the baseball. And because we've, as we covered off, they were playing against the uh, African-American teams. Yeah. I want to, I'm trying to bring it back to baseball here. They also had, so they did offer, as they did to um, Grover Cleveland, they did offer a contract to Babe Ruth to play. And it was not uncommon for players who didn't have beards to don fake beards so that they could play but babe Um, was too dirty yes this is it (laughs) he is not into temperance he's not into celibacy he is quite into drinking he is into drinking and sex yeah and i don't think he would be he's just not a for you guys yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly yeah yeah you might want to rethink this. So they they withdrew their contract um, to Babe. They contracted it. But um, they they did. But they didn't withdraw their contract for another Babe. Ooh. Babe, uh, I'm going to get this pronunciation <laughs> wrong. No, I'm not. Babe Didrikson, who was the at the time the female, the, the best female baseball player. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so I don't think she had to wear a beard. I think they were fine with her not wearing a beard she had balls i don't know if she had to wear those either but <laughs> she um so she played for house of david let's be clear this is um pre a league of their own this is pre gina yes. davis because of their knack for making money and just knowing how to entertain people they're credited with getting kind of michigan through the depression a bit Really? Well, just and being a precursor to Disneyland and sure. that sort of thing, they, as far as economic contribution, mm. they're up there. Another fun fact. Yes. What? Should so, we, should so, we do the random facts jingle thing then? Random, random, random facts. I'm talking random facts. I'm talking random facts about cults and that. Here's a random fact for you. Uh, their baseball team was not allowed into the to play in the major leagues. Yeah. Because uh, did they have it like a clean shaven policy? Yes, the major oh. leagues had a clean shaven policy, and these guys had a 
not clean shaven policy. 100%. So they were absolutely at odds. Um, even though they could play the Yankees, but they would all be exhibition matches or yeah, what have you. Would they be exhibition? I would like season ticket me. Another random fact. When they first moved to Benton Harbour, some of the colony's men were refused jobs by the city because of their appearance. Again, clean shaven policy. Mm. So Benjamin Purnell bought a majority stake in the streetcar company and just pretty much took over and staffed the cars with the long-haired people. Wow. Right? That's great. It's so good. Also, there was uh, a dude called Claire Adkin who wrote a book about House of David in the 90s, and according to him, House of David was the first organisation to actually market a vegetarian hamburger and sell bottled mineral water for drinking purposes. So I'm, I'm in the ninth innings. Is that yeah, right. wait? How many innings are there? You know that was great. We right. didn't do. We didn't have a seventh inning stretch, which is where we would have played. I just had a seventh inning kegels. Does that? <laughs> <laughs> I did a seventh inning wee. <laughs> yeah, true. I edited that out. Uh, but we, yeah, without licensing, we can't play take me out to the ball game. That's Can we true. even mention it? But wait, hang on. Don't oh. spoil it. Go. So I guess in closing, all I have to say is. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. Join a cult. Or don't join a cult. Good advice. Then I think I hit it out of the park. Thanks, Colin. Thank you. You've been great. Bye. You've been listening to Zealot, produced by me, Joe Thornley, with a mask and a mitt. My co-host for this episode was Colin Delaney, the home run of humans. Further reading and a lot of hair can be found on the Zealot Facebook page. And music is by the Everglades, who smells like freshly baked bread and dreams. Bada bada bada.